Well, Lord, you have duped me, and I let myself be duped. It's a great word. I think it's kind of a funny word. You don't hear it too often. Better translation, though, is, Oh, Lord, you seduced me, and I let myself be seduced. It comes from the Hebrew word patah, which has a, a wide range of meanings. Among those, to deceive, to entice, uh, and to seduce. We find it all over Scripture, but it really just means to be overcome with passion for God, even in spite of self. It's a, it's a beautifully mystical, a poetic phrase that speaks to the truth that we are created by God, and we are loved by Him, and we are destined to be in relationship with Him. I think that's a good lesson to remind ourselves with this summer, these last months, and today. That loneliness is a plague that our world is facing in these modern times, unlike any before. So many are isolated, either you know, without good friends or family, or, or we even think of those in this time that are, that are left at or, or sheltered in at nursing homes. These are subsets, but I think we all experience loneliness in our lives, especially this postmodern technological age, glued to our phones at times, waiting for the next ding, that endorphin hit. We're addicted, um, and this addiction has started to isolate us, to make us feel alone and be alone. And of course, I think there's a spiritual consequence to this plague, otherwise I wouldn't bring it up. People simply don't come to church anymore. Whether they you know, weren't coming in the first place or whether this pandemic hit and they were already on the fence and it's kind of like a great pruning. They don't want to come back. They don't see anything in it for them. They don't believe in God or his church. It's not worth their time. Some don't even believe in the devil, which is a very dangerous thing to do. St. Augustine, a great saint, great mind, doctor, bishop of the church, lived around the years 300. He knew this all too well. He lived a very secular life, very much in the world. But he kept pursuing truth. His mother, Monica, St. Monica, kept praying for him, praying that he find and get to know Jesus. And finally he did. He met the great Bishop St. Ambrose, and he converted, became one of the greatest disciples of Christ. And he had the famous line from his book, The Confessions, which was the first... Uh, autobiography ever. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. What an insight that is. So if it's true, and it is, that we're created by God, we're created to receive his love and to return it, then that's everything. And anything but that, and if we're not doing that, it could follow that we're miserable. We are going to be lonely. We are going to be unfulfilled. Now if we have money, right, I think it's kind of an American way, perhaps even in in this local community. You won't feel it as much. You can numb the pain. You can mask the pain to a certain extent, the emptiness, but not for long. Restlessness, unfulfillment, the desiring for more will always be there. There was a powerful interview Tom Brady gave years ago. This is six, seven years ago, after he won one of his many Super Bowls. He was being interviewed, I think, on 60 Minutes. And the interviewer asked him, so what's next? You're on top of the world, the greatest athlete in the world. You have a beautiful wife. Uh, You're making millions of dollars, winning Super Bowls. What's next for you? And he actually thought about the question. He just kind of sat there in silence. You can still look this up on YouTube. He's like, I don't know. I mean, I've done everything, right? I mean, this is it. Where else do you go from here? And then there was a a silence afterwards, and that just kind of like weighed upon him. 
And I think that speaks to the reality that our hearts truly are restless until they rest in Thee, until they rest in God. Even our psalm today says, My soul is thirsting for You, O Lord my God. That's the truth, that we are created for a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God, our loving Father. We are not created to be alone. And my goodness, does the Lord desire to be with us. So if this is all true then, that many of us you know, are lonely, feel isolated, and once we know and believe that we have a God who created us, who loves us beyond belief, you could ask, what do we do? What's a practical response to these realities? We worship as he taught us. That's the answer, to worship him. And what's the highest form of worship but the Mass, the Eucharist, the source and summit that is our faith? I think it's a hard reality for Catholics uh, to learn, to admit, to believe sometimes that number one, the Eucharist is real, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But number two, which we don't hear too often, that coming to Mass is not about us. It just isn't. It's not primarily to make us feel better, to join in, in song together as one, to hold hands as a family, to receive communion together at once and as fan, it's, it's not a thing. Mass isn't about us. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. Those things are, are good, are beautiful, but what is primary? It's the worship of God uh, that is primary, which is why these last few months have been so tough. We've not been at Mass. We've not been receiving Jesus and Holy Communion, the Eucharist. Many have been watching virtually at home. That's a good and beautiful thing, especially for those that are at risk and simply are not comfortable being here. But the harsh reality is simply watching the Mass um, is not Mass in the slightest. There's no such thing as a virtual obligation. What it comes down to is just a cheap artificial visual uh, in devotion. Because our Catholic faith is an incarnational faith meaning it's quite literally in the flesh, the Eucharist. We are here. We worship with our bodies. We stand, we, see, uh, we sit, we kneel. We adore, we see the holy smoke of incense rise. We are present as the one body of Christ, with the priest as the head and the people as the body communicating to each other. You know, people sometimes criticize, you know, why don't we get creative, like change the prayers a little? Why is it always the same routine? Because it's not about us. This is not our mass. It was given to us by Jesus, by his church, and we are meant to enter into it as one body as Christ, of Christ, to worship him and to receive him. This is what Martin Luther, a lot of the Protestant reformers, chose to abandon ultimately, even though they perhaps didn't know it at the time, but they were setting in motion, that they didn't believe in the Eucharist. Martin Luther, a priest himself, left they didn't believe that God chose and deigned for priests to exist, to confect the Eucharist and to forgive sins, not just symbolically, to forgive. They thought, and many still think, that we're incapable of having an intimate, deep relationship with God to the point where we actually become God. Right? You become what you eat. If we're truly receiving the Eucharist, that doesn't do nothing to us. That transforms us. God is quite literally within us. So to not believe that is, I think it's sad. Uh, it's not a lot of hope. Even take the song Amazing Grace, it's a great song. It's often sung at funerals, even our Catholic Church. But it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are not wretches. No one here is a wretch on this planet. We are beloved children of God, especially by our baptism. 
beloved sons and daughters, who when receiving the sacraments, receive the very life of God, and through that are purified and divinized, becoming like God himself. So our faith is incarnational. Take even the second reading, clearly speaks to this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. This is what true worship is, offering our entire selves to God so that we become united with him and like him. That was the whole symbol of the offertory when you know, families would bring up the wine and the bread to be consecrated and to Jesus. It's symbolic of us offering everything we have, the good, you know, the bad, the sins, the weaknesses, giving it all over to him. And then in our gospel today, it's, it's a powerful encounter. Think back last week, it was Jesus and Peter, they are up north in Israel. There's this big rock behind in the scene, and, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you are the rock, and on you I will build my church, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom to bind to loose, just starting the papacy, uh, the first pope starting his church, affirming to no end, Peter, like you're doing great, man, I'm building my church on you. And then this weekend, Peter is, you know, getting to his head maybe a little bit. He rebukes Jesus. So Jesus is like, uh-uh, come here, Peter. He tells him, get behind me, Satan. That's strong words. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Not as God does, but as human beings do. Stats have shown, this is years ago, who knows what it is today, that 30% of Catholics believe in the Eucharist. I take it further, I ask, how many actually believe what is and participate in the worship that is the Mass? The true gospel of Christ, uh, I think, is in conflict, oftentimes with the American dream, uh, even with our own hearts, thinking not as God does, but as human beings do, and how this pains and hurts the heart of Jesus, who is crucified, who gave us himself in the Eucharist. A heart that will, in a few moments, when I say the words of consecration, the humble instrument that I am, a heart beating on this altar for us. The point where heaven meets earth, even as babies are crying, noses are sniffling, but not because of the coronavirus, right? Even in the midst of our human circumstance, God comes to us in a very real way. That what we do in the Catholic Church on this altar in baptism, in the confessional, isn't just some feel-goodery, you know, symbolic, oh, yeah, we forgive you, but you're already forgiven. No. They're real. They're given out of love by our Father in heaven who only wants us to but receive his love, to not be lonely. So as we return to Mass, you know, more and more start coming back. We pray that more come back. And that in this Mass and in all Masses, we adore him alone. and We worship him alone. Or if we struggle with any of these things, you know, the Lord meets us where you are uh, to challenge yourself, to open your heart up to him, whether it's with the Eucharist or, or anything, but to let those words rest upon you. He turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you are an obstacle to me, thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Let's think as God does and let's worship him today and all the days of our life.